These are the daily lectionary comments for December the 9th. We're going to look at Isaiah 26, beginning at verse 1. Uh, this is a continuation of the, the joyful mood uh, that started in chapter 25. It's going to continue in chapter 26 and even chapter 27 about the, 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 the glory that is or that shall be revealed for Israel and for the world in the coming days. And then we're going to look at 1 John chapter 3, uh, where John is going to distinguish between what we are, what we seem to be, and what we will be. And Isaiah 26 begins with these these important words in that day in that day this song will be sung in the land of judah in that day is looking to a day beyond the present troubles beyond the present chastisements beyond the present threats in that day is an expression often used by the prophets and often used by isaiah to speak um, to use a fancy word, eschatologically, to speak about how things are going to be when God is finished with his work. And the song that we have uh, is picture the people on the far side of all the present troubles. And shall we say in the new heaven and the new earth. And and what, how they will look back on where they have been and seen the hand of the Lord and being able to see with more clarity how the Lord was working even in very difficult times and how they will celebrate what the Lord has done. So that's, that's the, the nature of this song. It's the song that we're going to sing. It's not the song that we're singing now. It's the song, it's the kinds of things we're going to say and we're going to celebrate. And that day, look in verse 2, it says, Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, the righteous nation that, uh, that keeps faith, that has not been Israel. That has not been Judah. That's why these present chastisements, uh, because they have not kept faith. They have broken the covenant over and over again. They've run after other gods. But in that day, they're going to realize that they are indeed a righteous nation. And there's this city and it has gates and the gates are going to be flung open so that righteous people may enter. Um, there's a beautiful section here. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> well, he talks about perfect peace, keeps him in perfect peace. Remember the, uh, the, the child to us, a child is born to us, a son is given in um, Isaiah chapter 9. And that one of his names is the Prince of Peace. In verses 9 and 10, you also have kind of a wistful looking back uh, at, at what was behind uh, all of these punishments and all the troubles that God brought upon the earth. In, in the last couple of, of uh, devotions, there's been a lot of attention paid to the fact that God has brought devastations on the earth in various places among all the nations, including Israel and Judah. And, and, and that this has been because of their faithlessness. But here puts another spin on it related to that. But it says, 
in verse 9, halfway through verse 9, it says, For when your judgments are on the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not earn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. So this puts a, a more positive idea here, and that is that God is not sending these desolations on the earth just as a, a simple act of retribution. You have sinned, and therefore you deserve punishment, and therefore I'm going to punish you. But the idea expressed here is that God is actually trying to move the nations of the world, including his own people, to a recognition of their own sinfulness and their own flaws. So he strikes them in order ultimately that they might become better. Look at verse 13. Here's another uh, way in which the people are wistfully thinking about uh, what has happened and what God has done. Verse 13 says, O Lord our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us. Well, that has been exactly the punishment that God has brought on Israel and Judah. Other kings and other rulers have ruled over them. But your name alone we bring in remembrance. They are dead. They will not live. They are shades. They will not rise. To the end that you have visited them with destruction and wiped them out of all remembrance of them. But you have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You have glorified. You have enlarged all the borders of the land. So a huge part of our punishment has been that you put foreign rulers over us. We deserved it. But now you have removed these foreign rulers. They are no longer ruling over us. They're dead. They're gone. They're buried. And you have enlarged the nation. The uh, Isaiah will get to this also in Isaiah uh, 54 and 55. He will talk about that the, the tent stakes of the nations will be spread wide and, and, and that the nation will grow rapidly. And it's, he's thinking about the, the covenant, the new covenant of our Lord and Savior, which will extend to the ends of the earth and which will cause little Judah to become very, very big uh, in the world. And that same theme and same idea is being uh, hit um, uh, right here. And then if you look at verse 16 also, um, it says, Regarding this chastisement uh, that you brought upon your people, it says, O Lord, in distress they sought you. They poured out a whispered prayer when your discipline was upon them. So, in other words, again, the striking, the chastisement, the discipline that the Lord was bringing on his people is having its effect. It is turning them back to him in repentance and in a strange and roundabout way bringing even the nations to to come to a, a, a kind of, uh, or be prepared to come and be righteous. In other words, God oftentimes has to strike us because of our sins in order to prepare us to be received by him through forgiveness and life in our Lord Jesus. And that's the ideas that's being woven in and out of, of this song, sung from the perspective of beyond all the trouble. This is what we did. And this is what we deserve. And this is what we went through. And this is what you did. And this is where you brought us. And it's a beautiful thing. Later on in Isaiah, he'll say, comfort, comfort ye my people. Again, 
the idea <clears throat> that we've moved beyond the time of punishment. Now is the time of healing and all of this being worked by the Lord. In 1 John chapter 3, this very famous verse, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. This little passage makes it very clear that there is what we are. We are the children of God. We are the children of God now. But he has to say that we are the children of God now because what he's also saying is we don't seem like the children of God. We don't feel like the children of God, yet we are the children of God now. So there's what we are in the eyes of God and what we feel like and seem like to the eyes of the world. And then there's what we will be. We will be when Jesus comes again, we will be like him. Then we will not only still be the children of God, but we will actually look and feel and seem like the children of God. Now, Following this, John continues down a, a, a very typical a way of, of uh, proceeding uh, and, and, you know, one thought kind of proceeding from another. So he starts talking about we will be like him when he comes. We will, we will be like him. And we note that he is pure. So whoever hopes in him who is pure will purify himself. Well, the opposite of purifying yourself is making a practice of sinning. If you're making a practice of sinning, that's the opposite of purifying yourself. In fact, that's lawlessness. Practice of sinning is lawlessness, but Jesus appeared to take away sins. Therefore, those who belong to Jesus do not make a practice of sinning. Here's a simple rule, he says. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he whom we follow is righteous and whoever makes a practice of sinning well that one is of the devil but regarding the devil jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil so then he moves from we don't want to make a practice uh, uh or, excuse, those who do not practice righteousness they are the devil and they do not love their brother. Now, once again, as I mentioned before, brother is not just another human being. It's a fellow Christian. And this whole discussion here, and it's going to continue in tomorrow's devotion as well, um, the, uh, an exposition of Jesus' command that we love one another, his new command. And he even says it right here, that we should love one another. The world hates you, that is, he, the world hates the brothers, but the brothers, or brothers and sisters, we love one another. And he says, this is love that we lay down our lives for the brothers. So there's very much an emphasis here in 1 John uh, is an exposition of the new commandment that Jesus gives to his disciples that as he has loved us, we should love one another. And here it's going to have many, many references to the brothers, to loving the brothers, to hating the brothers. And what all this means, we ran across this yesterday also in our devotion, and we'll see it again. More talk about the call of Christians to love one another and in this way show ourselves to be Christ's own disciples.